How are aliens and the biblical end times connected with each other? Honestly, more than they want you to know. The topic of extraterrestrials typically surfaces thoughts of flying saucers, little green men, invasions, abductions, and much more. Over the past 121 years, Hollywood has been busy at work forming the minds of the masses through media. Little did we know, they are preparing the world to reject and fight against our Messiah when he returns. Seem far-fetched? Possibly. However, have you ever wondered how the beast is able to get the whole world to fight the Messiah? It's time to expose the dark agenda at hand and bring to light the truth. Hey, welcome back, brothers and sisters. Adam here with the Parable of the Vineyard. And today, it's time for part two of this study about the alien agenda and what the world is trying to convince the people of is basically to fight the Messiah at his second coming. Now, if you saw part one, I think we pretty well established that. Even if you haven't watched it, hey, we welcome you here. I would recommend watching that, but let's get right into it. And let's go to the second part of this series. So the alien agenda in the Bible, part two. So in part one of this study, we discussed how Satan, Hollywood, and the world as a whole are blinding the masses in relation to the second coming of Messiah. As we discussed, Satan's job is to control the narrative. So how things play out. So that when things begin to transpire, people won't be turning to the scriptures for answers. No, they will look to their earthly kings for direction as the movies and media have instructed them to. So long story short, when things start, start happening, it's, just, it's much like climate change. When they, they're, they're pushing climate change, climate change so that when all the things that are talked about in the book of Revelation about the drought and the extreme sun and burning people, all these kind of things, people are going to be like, oh, this is that climate change they've been, they've been telling me about. They're not going to turn to their Bible for answers, or at least that's what they want to do. But of course, the Spirit of the Most High can penetrate through any of these deceptions, and that's what this video is about. So, um, in short, we have showed you very plainly that Satan, the beast, and all the nations will unite as one to attempt to, to defeat this common enemy. That's what the scriptures say will happen, and this is what they portray in the movies. However, we know who really wins the, wins the war. So real quick, just want to let you know, everything we're covering today is in article form. I'll make sure to leave a link for the article in the description box below the, uh, the video, as well as a pinned comment in the comment section. So let's continue. So these shall make war with the Lamb. This is talking about, the, about Satan, the beast, the dragon. These shall make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb shall overcome them, for he is master of masters and king of kings. And they that are with him are called and chosen and faithful. Revelation 17, 14. And I don't know about you, uh, but I want to be one of the ones that are called, chosen, and faithful. And it says that they're with him, Messiah. So something to talk about at the end. That was Revelation 17, 14. In part two, our mission is to answer the questions presented in part one, which is, 
the good versus bad aliens. This is demons and fallen angels. And this is a very important one because uh, I've been speaking with a lot of you and a lot of you are wondering like, well, what if Satan appears first as this uh, alien um, uh, takeover or whatnot? And we'll definitely cover that because that's definitely a possibility. Why Hollywood repeatedly depicts the circle. Like why is it always this mothership circle city thing coming down as a big circle? We're going to talk about the shape of New Jerusalem, which is the coming kingdom of Messiah. We're going to be talking about the book of Enoch and how it ties in. We're going to talk about fake alien invasions, Planet X or Nibiru, uh, the shape of heaven and earth and why it's important. We're going to be talking about Warner Von Braun and the firmament. But most importantly, we're going to be talking about the true lasting wisdom. So with that, let's begin with reminding ourselves how of how blatant Hollywood's mockery of our Elohim. If you're not familiar, Elohim is the Hebrew word for God as we know it. So uh, a good friend of mine, Aaron, shared this with me, uh, one of my neighbors. He said, Adam, you, you didn't mention X-Men Apocalypse. And I'm like, what's X-Men Apocalypse? So he showed it to me. And the um, the villain, the main villain in this movie, Apocalypse, or uh, born in Sabanur, was an immensely powerful and ancient mutant. He was believed to be the very first mutant and the ancestor of all uh, mutant kind, having survived for, for several millennia. So I, I want to share a couple things with you. If you can see over here on the side, his aliases or other names are the first one. What does Messiah say? I am the first and the last. Apocalypse. What is Messiah bringing? The apocalypse. Elohim. This is the Hebrew word for God. Shen, which is really close to Shem, which is one of the Hebrew names. Ra, Krishna, Yahweh. Now, if you were with us in part one, you probably heard how I understand, or some of us understand the, the father's name is Yahuwah. Some say Yahuwah, some say Yahweh, uh, some say Yahuwah, many different terms. But it's interesting that this character is known as Yahweh. Uh, and so obviously this is a mockery uh, of our Elohim. And the, some of the quotes he says in this movie uh, watch, listen to this. Elohim, Shem, Ra. I have been called many names over many lifetimes. I am born of death. I was there to spark and fan the flame of man's awakening. Well, who did that? To spin the wheel of civilization. And when the forest would grow rank and needed clearing for new growth, I was there to set it ablaze. This is a quote from this apocalypse character. Weapons, superpowers, the weak have taken the earth. For this, I was betrayed. False gods, idols, no more. I have returned. Doesn't this sound like some of the things that Messiah is doing? He was betrayed, and he and he and he detests, of course, false gods, idols, and he's returning. So this is how Hollywood paints the picture, or tries to twist scriptures and paint the picture of our Messiah and our Heavenly Father of being the enemy. Listen to this. This is very interesting. You can fire your arrows from the Tower of Babel. But you can never strike God. Apocalypse. And, and you know, this is all from X-Men Apocalypse 2018. But this is, of, this is of real interest right here. Firing the arrows from the Tower of Babel is so specific and found in one place only. A book not included in the Bible, yet it was mentioned twice in Joshua 10.13 and 2 Samuel 1.18. I'll show you real quickly. It says... Um, is it not written in the book of Jasher? And then right here, is it written in the book of Jasher? So there's a book called the book of Yashar or Jasher that actually talks about this very thing right here. Watch this. 
This is about the Tower of Babel. And the building of the Tower of Babel was unto them a transgression and a sin. And they began to build it. And whilst they were building against Yahweh Elohim of heaven, they imagined in their hearts to war against him and to ascend into heaven. And all these people and all the families divided themselves into three parts. The first said, we will ascend into heaven and fight against him. The second said, we will ascend to heaven and place our own gods there and serve them. And listen to this. The third part said, we will ascend to heaven and smite him with bows and spears. And Elohim knew all their works and all their evil thoughts. And he saw the city and the tower which they were building. And Yahuwah knew their thoughts. And it came to pass when they were building, listen to this, they cast their arrows towards the heavens. And all the arrows fell upon them filled with blood. And when they saw them, they said to each other, Surely we have slain all those that are in heaven. For this was from Yahuwah, in order to cause them to err, and in order to destroy them from off the face of the earth. And that was Jasher 9, 26-27 and 29-30. So how specific is this? You can fire your arrows from the Tower of Babel, but you can never strike God. Obviously, taking a jab at this passage that we just read here. There's only one place this is found. The enemy knows scripture. All right, so let's get to the real aliens. The real aliens are Satan, the fallen angels, and demons. An ancient struggle between two Cybertronian races, the heroic Autobots and the evil Decepticons come to Earth to destroy it. In several movie series, there exists a battle, an ancient battle, between two types of aliens or superheroes or superhumans, a good versus evil. Examples of this dynamic is found in movies such as the Transformers series, the Marvel saga, the TV show The Colony, and many others. What's typically presented is this. The good aliens, which are actually the evil ones, I know it's confusing, but listen, Satan likes to turn everything upside down. His job is to turn what's good into evil and what's evil into good. So in these movies, naturally, they would portray the good people as the bad people. So again, I'm a little confusing. So what's typically presented in this is this, the good aliens, which are actually the evil ones, come to earth first, present themselves as the protectors of humanity, seeking to save them from the coming enemy who is typically far superior in power. As we mentioned in part one, we do see heaven coming to earth in Revelation chapter 12, two kingdoms or two rivals simultaneously. And that's what you see in these movies. And the great dragon was cast out, that serpent, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceived the whole world. He was cast out into the earth and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our Elohim and the power of his Messiah. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our Elohim day and night. Revelation 12, 9 through 10. So what we see here is when Satan is thrown down to the earth, at that time, now comes salvation and the kingdom comes. Now, I understand that we've all been taught something different. However, the text says what it says. When Satan is finally cast out at that time, the kingdom of Messiah comes down. It's as if all of heaven, the heavenly realm, comes down to earth simultaneously. We see something very similar in Isaiah 14. For Yahweh will have mercy on Jacob and will yet choose Israel and set them on their own land. And the strangers shall be joined with them and they shall cleave to the house of Jacob. And it shall come to pass in that day 
Yahweh shall give you rest from your sorrow and from your fear and from the hard bondage wherein you were made to serve, and that you shall take up this proverb against the king of Babylon, which I believe this is a name for Satan in this context, and say, How has the oppressor ceased? The golden city is ceased. And this is Isaiah 14, 1 and 3 through 4. So at the beginning of Isaiah 14, we see the time that Yahuwah gathers his people into their own land. I believe this is the final regathering, not what happened in 1948, but the final regathering of all the tribes of all of Yah's people. Some would say the physical land of Israel. However, I do believe this is referencing New Jerusalem, in my opinion, of course, Yahuwah's everlasting tabernacle. Now, a few verses later, we see this in, in Isaiah 14. How are you fallen from heaven, O Hallel? So I think Lucifer may be a bad translation. So this is Satan's name, Hallel. How are you fallen from heaven, O Hallel, son of the howling morning? How are you cut down to the ground which did weaken the nations? For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of Elohim. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Yet you will be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. They that see you shall narrowly look upon you and consider you, saying, Is this the one that made the earth to tremble and did shake the kingdoms? Isaiah 14, 12 through 16. So the point is that we can see that this event, both kingdoms coming to earth, may in fact happen around the same time. However, it is possible that there is a short time period between Satan's fall and the arrival of the kingdom. This is why we need to understand that the first arrival of aliens could be Satan and his crew. We must stay vigilant. 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen through 15 Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no wonder that his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. In the end, they will get the punishment their wicked deeds deserve. So Satan's, uh, you know, he's a highly intelligent being, okay? Obviously not intelligent enough to not transgress the Most High, but he has a higher intelligence source than us people right now. So if he were to deceive the people, do you think he would come down like all in red with horns and a big tail and a pitchfork? Or do you think he might come down as maybe even as the Messiah? Because remember, he's the lawless one, right? He's the false version of our Messiah. With at least the, you know, the Antichrist is, so... The point is, if he comes down with his people, with his ministers, they're not going to look like, you know, horrific beings. They're going to come down and be like, we're here. We want to protect you from what's coming. The colony, uh, in the wake of a mysterious alien invasion, a family fights to stay together in a new world order. This is actually probably one of the last things I ever watched uh, in TV series. Um, and what was interesting about this is this played into the exact narrative that I'm telling you about. Um, the quote unquote good aliens came first. However, they were the evil ones. They actually enslaved everyone, built up big walls, and kept everybody in small colonies. Uh, they worked them to the bone. Um, they did restore order, if you will. Uh, but the whole thing is they, they used human labor to build up this defense against the big bad aliens that are coming that have far superior technology. So the aliens had to kind of unite with the people and to put up this, um, this resistance against uh, these big bad guys that are coming to destroy the earth. And what's interesting is when those um, superior aliens actually came, they were definitely like spiritual uh, beings. Uh, they had, you know, telekinesis. They could read minds. Uh, it was just anyways. So this is an appropriate time to mention Project Bluebeam, which there's a link here if you want to learn more. 
I'm not going to get too far into this, but to make the situation even more complex, it is possible the world governments could fake a second coming and or staged inv invasion to instill fear and make totalitarian changes. Listen, at the end of the day, I don't have all the answers. I don't ever claim to, but I do want to put all possible scenarios out there for Yahuwah's people to be aware of so that we know there's different scenarios. So, you know, the, the Hollywood is putting their propaganda out to condition people for when things happen so they know how to react in in a completely opposite manner I'll, myself and i'm sure many others are trying to warn yas people of these different scenarios that can come down so furthermore if you haven't seen the understanding that we have at this time about the antichrist the video below may bless you so there will be a link here in the um, the article if you want to check it out so the only true aliens are the evil spirits that departed from the bodies of the giants from Genesis 6. And now, the giants who are produced from the spirits of flesh shall be called evil spirits upon the earth, and on the earth shall be their dwelling. So this is talking about when the giants died, they had a spirit in them, and these spirits are called the evil spirits. Evil spirits have proceeded from their bodies because they are born from men and from the holy watchers is their beginning and primal origin. They shall be called evil spirits on earth, and evil spirits shall they be called. As for the spirits of heaven, in heaven shall be their dwelling. But as for the spirits of the earth, which were born upon the earth, on the earth shall be their dwelling. And the spirits of the giants, the departed spirits, that is, these are the evil demons, afflict, oppress, destroy, attack, do battle, work destruction on the earth, and cause trouble. They take no food. But nevertheless, they hunger and thirst and cause offenses. And these spirits shall rise up against the children of men and against the women because they have proceeded from them. This is First Enoch 15, 8 through 11. So now let's talk about the shape of New Jerusalem, the coming kingdom that as we read in part one in two Esdras, when Messiah comes, he brings his reward with him. He brings this kingdom that's cut without hands. So this is we're going to answer why the circle. So. Now I'd like to begin to answer why the circle we asked frequently in part one. We went through all these different movies, and it's like almost, I'd say 90% of them are this big circle, alien mothership city thing that comes down to take over the world. So I do believe it has everything to do with the coming kingdom appearing as the threat. If you search New Jerusalem, you'll likely have results like this. Which, I don't know about that one. That one looks like Disneyland, New Jerusalem. Obviously, that ain't it. So at this point, regardless of where you are in your walk, you probably realize that most of what has been taught is false. Likewise, I do believe that the true shape of New Jerusalem may have been veiled over the centuries. So why this common cube shape? It's from here, from this verse. And the city lies four square, and the length is as large as the breadth. And he measured the city with the reed, 12,000 furlongs, 1,500 miles. The length and the breadth and the height of it are equal. So the length is 1,500 miles, the width is 1,500 miles, and the height is 1,500 miles. So that's Revelation 21.16. So it seems like there's no further discussion needed for square. A cube. And it may indeed be. New Jerusalem may indeed come down as a, as a cube. Even though Hollywood portrays the circle, it may in fact come down as a big cube or pyramid as most of us have imagined. However, I'd like to put forth a few things just to consider. The Greek word for foursquare is comprised of two words, tetra or tesaris and gonos, gonia. The word formed together is tetragonos. Tetra is four, gonos is corners. So, four corners. And after these things, I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, 
holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, nor on the sea, nor on any tree. Revelation 7.1. So the same use of tetra or tesaurus and gonos, gonia, from foursquare in Revelation 21. So I ask you, is the earth squared, cubed, or is it circular? And the reason I'm bringing this up is because right here, they have four angels standing on the four corners of the earth. So is the earth a cube, and are the angels standing on the four corners of it? So again, the question, is earth squared, cubed, or circular? It is he that sits upon the circle of the earth, and the inhabitants thereof are as grasshoppers, that stretches out the heavens as a curtain, and spreads them out as a tent to dwell in. Isaiah 40, 22. And he said to me, at the beginning of the circle of the earth, 2 Esdras 6, 1, if you're not familiar with 2 Esdras, it was part of the Apocrypha and the 1611 KJV and many other prominent Bibles. It was considered scripture for a long time. But anyways, furthermore, I'd like to share a few passages from the book of Enoch. If you're unfamiliar with it, here are a few short videos introducing it and why I believe it's scripture. That's the position I'm coming from. I believe first Enoch is scripture. In short, Jude quoted it verbatim. He quoted Enoch verbatim. Peter taught from it in Second Peter. And Messiah rebuked the Sadducees for not knowing it. This is a link right here. And this short video series, I think one, one, of, one of them is, the first one's nine minutes. I think the second two are both 20 minutes. So it's a very short series about introducing you to Enoch if you're not familiar. So we're talking about the circle. First Enoch and the circle. And first there goes forth the great luminary named the sun. And his circumference is like the circumference of heaven and he is quite filled with illuminating heat and fire enoch 72 4 so wait what did you catch that i don't know how many times i've read this passage but it seemed to have jumped out at me recently as he rises so he sets and decreases not and he rests not but runs day and night and his light the sun is sevenfold brighter than that of the moon but as regards to size, they are both equal. Now, I'll tell you, most of you who grew up in the um, going to school, public school or even private school, you learned that the sun is 400 times larger than the moon, but it's so many million miles more further away. So they just happen to appear the equal size. Um, I believe, again, the scripture is, says what it says. And I believe, I believe my eyes. And I believe that when you look at the sun and you look at the moon, they're of equal size. So, if you didn't pick up what Enoch was putting down, here it is again, but for the moon. And after this law, I saw another law dealing with the lesser luminary, which is called the moon. And her circumference is like the circumference of heaven. Enoch 73, 1 through 2. So, the point is, is heaven has a circumference. What's a circumference? Most of you should remember. But a circumference is the perimeter of a circle. So these are the two great luminaries. Their circumference is like the circumference of the heaven. And the size of the circumference is both alike. I understand this may defy what most of us were taught in school, but have you not realized that we've been lied to on so many fronts? Oh, Yahuwah, my strength and my fortress, and my refuge in the day of affliction, the nation shall come unto you from the ends of the earth and shall say, Surely our fathers have inherited lies, vanity, and things wherein there is no prophet. Jeremiah 16, 19. We've inherited lies, brothers and sisters. The sun and the moon are the same size. The point is, if heaven has a circumference, then it is a circle. Why would it be any different? If the earth is a circle, wouldn't heaven be a circle? Would that make, would that make sense in relation to the earth? We'll come back to this concept momentarily. So let's now talk about the circle of the earth. Flat or globe? 
It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to dwell in. Isaiah forty twenty two. Ask yourself, what does a tent look like? We're going to look at up ancient tent. So what does a tent look like? What would, if, if this was written, uh, Isaiah was written, let's call it 2,700 years ago, what would they know a tent looks like? Would it be a, like a ball, like a globe? Or would this is what a tent looks like, right? So this is what he says. I don't know about you. I trust the word. I don't trust NASA. I don't trust uh, any, any of these agencies. And when he says that the circle of the earth and that he stretches out the heaven like a curtain and spreads them out like a tent to dwell in, I believe it. It is he who searches the deep and its treasures, who has measured the sea and its contents, who has enclosed the sea in the midst of the waters, and by his word has suspended the earth over the water. Not over mantle and crust and core and magma and liquid hot magma. Who has spread out the heaven like an arch and founded it upon the waters. To Ezra 16, 57 through 59. So whether you believe the earth is geocentric, what people reference as flat, I don't, I don't use the term flat earth. I use geocentric earth. So whether you believe it's geocentric or a globe, his creation is circular. Why would we think heaven would be any different, especially considering all the heavenly bodies are circular? Sun, moon, stars, etc. If Yahuwah were to look down from heaven and see a globe, it would be a circle. If he looked down upon a geocentric earth, it would be a circle. This is what he'd look down and see. This is the geocentric earth. And this is what it means to enclose the waters. There's boundaries where it stops moving, stops going. When he prepared the heavens, I was there. Listen to this. When he set a compass upon the face of the depth, Proverbs 8.27, setting a compass upon the face of the depth. This is what a geocentric earth looks like. Waters above, waters below. Genesis 1 says that he made the firmament and he separated the waters above the firmament from the waters below the firmament. So either, either um, science has it right and NASA though that's an empty space of vacuum and nothingness or you believe your Bible which says the waters above and the waters below praise him you heavens of heavens and ye waters that be above the heaven Psalm 148.4 there's no room for this verse with the, the model that science teaches us currently and Elohim said let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters and let it divide the waters from the waters and Elohim made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. And it was so. Genesis 1, 6-7, the first page of your Bibles. Firmament. It's an extended surface, solid, expanse, firmament. Expanse, flat as base with support. A firmament, the vault of heaven supporting the waters above. Considered by Hebrews as solid and supporting the waters above. Can you with him spread out the skies, which is strong and as a molten looking glass? Job 37, 18. What does that mean, right? So this is the Hebrew concept. You've got the firmament, which it says it has foundations and pillars. And you have the earth, the great deep. This is what, this is what the ancients knew. So I ask you, was Moses given faulty information regarding creation? Or have we been lied to all of our lives? So you have to ask yourself, again, there's no room for waters above the firmament and waters below the firmament in the current globe model that we're taught today. So was, again, I ask you, was Moses given faulty information when he wrote Genesis? 
Did he just not know? Was he just not intelligent enough? Or have we been lied to all of our lives? The truth is, once you realize we are not some haphazard being created by stardust and nothingness, spinning through infinite space at breakneck speeds, you start to realize the truth of Yahweh's word. You begin to trust him with all your heart, soul, and mind. When you grasp that his word is trustworthy, you can take it literally. Bless Yahweh, O my soul. O Yahweh, my Elohim, you are very great. You are clothed with honor and majesty, who covers yourself with light as with a garment, who has stretched out the heavens like a tent. There it is again. Who has laid the beams of your chambers on the waters, who makes the clouds your chariot, who rides on the wings of the wind, who makes the winds your messengers, fire and flame your ministers. You did set the earth on its foundations so that it should never be moved. Foundations foundations of the earth the truth is no heliocentric model no aliens there is no distant planet that some alien force is going to come through the whole thing is nonsense and i believe this is why the most high allowed us to see this truth of a earth that he created firm on foundations that does not move except for earthquakes of course and it has a dome firmament nothing goes in Nothing goes out. Look up Operation Paperclip. No, Operation Fishbowl on YouTube. I don't know if they've hit it by now, but it's pretty interesting. They sent up a bunch of uh, nukes to, to blow up the firmament and they couldn't touch it. But so the truth is no heliocentric model, no aliens. A geocentric earth with a dome firmament, no aliens. Only Yahweh's kingdom or the devil's. If you've never looked into biblical cosmology, which... If you think I'm just absolutely crazy, I understand. I would encourage you to seek it out as Satan has deceived the whole world. Here's a short playlist that may bless you. It's just four videos. Here's a playlist if you're like, gosh, I don't know, Adam, I don't know what you're talking about here, but I'll keep watching this video, but this is so dumb. Everybody knows that the earth is a globe and we've proved it and all that. Please, I would, I would encourage you to watch it. It is important. People say it's not. It is. The globe deception is at the center of this whole agenda. Think about it. If the firmament is solid, there is no going in or out until the, until the time of Revelation 12, 7 through 9, when the firmament rolls back like a scroll and Satan is thrown down. Here's a couple of videos. Uh, I'm, I, was a little, uh, I was a little saddened. Um, these videos were a lot easier to find uh, five, six years ago when I was researching this, but now they seem to have hidden a lot of these. Um... So this is what real stars look like with these amazing cameras that are available, the P9, the Nikon P900, the Nikon P1000. They're not some distant planet. They're literally lights. So you zoom out, zoom in. This is what they actually look like. So these are real stars, not NASA cartoons. So look, look what these stars actually look like. And... And some of them, they're so interesting that it looks like they're underwater. Like when you've ever seen something underwater and it's like the water's moving and this is what these look like. Some of the really good ones out there I think have been hidden. But do your own research. It's fascinating to see what these stars actually look like. This is Polaris, by the way, the North Star. And this is what it actually looks like. It's beautiful. Look, see, look at, look at that right there. That looks like a light that has water beneath it I don't know I just find this amazing this is uh, serious look look at this thing 
this is not what NASA has been telling us. Look, see how it looks like it's underwater? Just amazing. These are real stars, brothers and sisters. Look at that. Look at that. And they zoom out and look, it's just a ball of light. And you're like, oh yeah. That is what is amazing about the cameras in these days. Anyways, uh, there's one more. There's there's a bunch out there. Look at that. See how it looks like it's underwater? This is not what they've been teaching us. Look at this. That's what these things look like. Anyways, there's so many more. Amazing, amazing to go research it for yourself. So anyways, back to the circle. The point is, heaven and earth are both circles. Why would New Jerusalem be a cube or a pyramid? Round about the throne, there were four and twenty seats. And upon the seats, I saw four and twenty elders sitting, clothed in white raiment, and they had on their heads crowns of gold. Revelation 4.4. 4. Here's the Greek word used for roundabout. Uh, a roundabout from all sides, all around, uh, from the circle round. So his throne room is circular. What about the tabernacle in the wilderness? Isn't that a rectangle sh uh, shape like the shoebox, right? This is what we all know. When you search the tabernacle in the wilderness, you'll almost always come up with this shoebox shape. Is that the truth? Perhaps, maybe. I don't have all the answers. However, after finding the research done by an engineer and brother in the faith by the name of Andrew Hoy, I believe it's highly possible that it may have been a dome octagonal tent as represented here. As many of us are digging into the word and realizing lies have been perpetrated regarding the truth of our walk of faith and obedience, Andrew took it further. I'll leave you links for all his material if you decide to look into it further. So basically, he looked at the building of the tabernacle and he's he was, as an engineer, so he's like, you know what? This can actually work. The same materials can work as an octagonal dome rather than the shoebox. So uh, I'm not an expert on this. I'll just leave you uh, his source material so that you can look it up for yourself. Uh, here's, uh, again, on this article, you'll have uh, links for his website, his YouTube uh, page. And this is a, a link for a video. This is an interview with Rob Ski, but this is how I found Andrew right here. So if the tabernacle was a circular dome, which is very possible, um, Satan would have many reasons to cover it up much like he does with the very earth we live on. So let's get to New Jerusalem dimensions. Earlier we read, right? And the city lies four square, and its length is as large as the breadth. And he measured the city with the reed, 12,000 furlongs, 1,500 miles. The length and the breadth and the height of it are equal. So here's just an example of where New Jerusalem could set down. This is roughly the borders that were given to Abraham in Genesis 15 of your descendants will live here forever. So anyways, this would, be, this would represent 1,500 miles by 1,500 miles. Easy, squared, right? The book of Revelation tells us New Jerusalem measures 1,500 miles for its length and height and width. The image above makes sense and works. So does this. If you put a circle around it, it would still be 1,500 miles wide and 1,500 miles long. What about height? So this could, this is obviously not a um, to scale representation, but let's say this could be 1,500 miles tall. That makes sense. Well, so could that. If it was like a dome coming down. You could also have 1,500 miles by 1,500 miles by 1,500 miles. So the arch or dome is one of the strongest shapes in arch architecture. It's, it is debated uh, that either the triangular or the circular shape is king. Who has enclosed the sea in the midst of the waters and by his word has suspended the earth over the water, who has spread out the heaven like an arch and founded upon the waters. So here's the arch 
strength in action. So again, who has spread out the heaven like an arch and founded upon the waters. How about the rainbow? Why does the rainbow have that shape? I believe it's because the firmaments, the heavens, the layers of heaven. I think it is highly possible that New, that New Jerusalem will come down as a circular dome city. If this is the case, this is why I believe the media is pitching the evil circle city mothership agenda. Listen to this. This is just, uh, I think, last week. Pentagon and Harvard UFO experts, alien motherships could be flying through our solar system. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with Elohim. So all these scholars and doctorates and master's degrees and all this stuff is foolishness with Elohim. When it comes to, and I'm not mocking all areas of study. Um, what I am mocking, not mocking, I don't want to mock. What I am talking about or referencing with this is when it comes to how they how they teach about the solar system and heliocentrism and that we're flying like a ball through or fly, a flying ball going at 66,000 miles an hour spinning at 1,000 miles an hour which makes no sense but this is all nonsense right here for the wisdom of this world is foolishness with Elohim for it is written he takes the wise in their own craftiness so they're gonna he's gonna use all this nonsense against them when all this goes down remember this big old circular dome thing after all, I think, or after, I'm sorry, after all, think about the typical narrative in these movies. Independence Day is a perfect example. A huge alien mothership comes to destroy the world and take it over. The people of the earth put down their differences and unite to destroy the common enemy. We read this last time, or last week, with a survival guide for an alien invasion. It would be every country versus the aliens. It would be logical in the face of an extraterrestrial threat for all, all nations to unite. Our Messiah will be coming down with his city out of heaven to take over the earth as it is, is, is right. Now, therefore, if you obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then you shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. It's his. He can do with it as he pleases. Exodus 19.5 The earth is Yahuas, and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. Psalm 24.1 he will be coming with fire and vengeance as it is the righteous judgment of Yahweh our Father. It's Satan's job to spin the story to deceive the nations into fighting against him thinking he's a villain or an alien threat. A voice of noise from the city, a voice from the temple, a voice of Yahweh that renders recompense or repayment to his enemies. Before she travailed, she brought forth. Before her pain came, she was delivered of a man-child. Who has heard such a thing? Who has seen such things? Shall the earth be made to bring forth in one day? Or shall a nation be born at once? For as soon as Zion travailed, she brought forth her children. Shall I bring to the birth and not cause to bring forth, says Yahuwah? Shall I cause to bring forth and shut the womb, says your Elohim? Rejoice with Jerusalem and be glad with her, all you that love her. Rejoice for joy with her, all you that mourn for her, that you may suck and be satisfied with the breasts of her consolations, that you may milk out and be delighted with the abundance of her glory. For thus says Yahweh, Behold, I will extend peace to her like a river, and the glory of the nations like a flowing stream. Then shall you suck, you shall be borne upon his sides, and be dandled upon her knees. As one whom his mother comforts, so will I comfort you, and you shall be comforted in Jerusalem." Again, I believe this is talking about heavenly Jerusalem, Zion. And when you see this, your heart shall rejoice and your bones shall flourish like an herb. And the hand of Yahweh shall be known towards his servants and his indignation towards his enemies. 
For behold, Yahweh will come with fire and with his chariots like a whirlwind to render his anger with fury and his rebukes with flames of fire. Pause there real quickly just to look at this video. You know, when these ships came out of the skies, they're coming out with fire and vengeance. And so they're showing what's going to happen, but they're spinning the story. For by fire and by his sword will Yahweh plead with all flesh, and the slain of Yahweh shall be many. They that sanctify themselves and purify themselves in the gardens behind one tree in the midst, eating swine's flesh, pig, and the abomination in the mouth shall be consumed together. If you're still eating pork right now, brothers and sisters, oh, I would encourage you to research that a little more. In our playlist section, we have biblical food um, discussions, and that may help you to understand that pork is not food and it's not to be eaten. Says Yahuwah, for I know their works and their thoughts. It shall come that I will gather all nations and tongues, and they shall come and see my glory. Isaiah 66, 6 through 18. So in this passage, we see the return of our king with his kingdom, New Jerusalem. At the same time, he miraculously gathers his people to his kingdom. This will be visible to all the nations and will be bigger than the first Exodus event. See Jeremiah 16, 14 through 15 and 23, 7 through 8. So to the world, this would provoke thoughts of an alien abduction. Just my thoughts. So if he gathers us to to himself, right? For Yahweh shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of Elohim, and the dead and Messiah shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet Yahweh in the air. And so shall we ever be with Yahweh. And that's, that w- that's what makes me think that perhaps New Jerusalem may just descend and stay up in the sky for some time. And that's why we see in these alien movies, the mothership just hovers over cities and just stays in the air. And they're like, hey, let's go get it. And so if this happens, not if, when this happens, it says that the dead's going to rise and go up to him. And the people, even the people that are alive are going to go up to him. What's that going to look like? Is this what Hollywood's been portraying all these years. This, this in the movies, of course, is bad. You don't want this happening to you. This is like an alien abduction. It's like, oh no, look, they're taking all those people. Your dead shall live. Their bodies shall rise. Oh, dwellers in the dust, awake and sing for joy. For your dew is a dew of light. And on the land of the shades, you will let it fall. Come, my people, enter your, enter your chambers where are these chambers? Remember, he's, Messiah says, in my father's house are many abodes, many living spaces. Enter into your chambers and shut your doors behind you and hide yourself for a little while until the wrath has passed. For behold, Yahuwah is coming forth out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. And the earth will disclose the blood shed upon her and will no more cover her slain. Isaiah 26, 19 through 21. So what he's saying here is when the resurrection happens and Paul confirms here, even the people who are alive at his coming will rise to meet him up in the clouds, up in the sky. Right? So it's going to look like this and people are like, oh no, they're taking him. It's always portrayed as something that you wouldn't want to happen to you. This could be the real reason of Project Bluebeam, a counter narrative to their actual event. Perhaps they could stage a false version of the real event before it happens, making people, you know, lose lose hope or whatever. But the point is, when this actually happens, obviously it's not going to look like this. It's going to be New Jerusalem. But this is going to be a good thing. As we just read in Isaiah 26, when this happens, our Heavenly Father's righteous judgment comes upon the earth. The Great Tribulation. This is the general theme of most alien movies. Think of War of the Worlds. When the aliens came... They had this loud, loud trumpet sound, right? Elohim has gone up with a shout. Yahuwah with the sound of a trumpet. What's that going to sound like? 
ear piercing, maybe like the World of War, World of War of Worlds. Sorry, and remember in that, like the sound was so shrieking that people were fearful. At his coming, people are going to be fearful. People on the wrong side of things are going to be fearful. So for the master himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. You think that's going to be quiet? With the voice of the archangel, with the trump of Elohim, the trumpet of, of God? What's that going to sound like? Probably a lot more earth-shattering than this sound. But this is, again, just this is just how Hollywood brainwashes. This is Loki from the Avengers. He says, kneel before me. I said, kneel. Is this not simpler? Is this not your natural state? It is the unspoken truth of humanity that you crave subjugation. The bright lure of freedom diminishes your life's joy in a mad scramble for power, for identity. You are made to be ruled. In the end, you will always kneel. I believe this is a direct stab at our Messiah. I have sworn by myself the word is gone forth out of my mouth in righteousness and shall not return, that unto me every knee shall bow, every tongue shall swear. Isaiah 45, 23. So they make our Father and Messiah seem like bloodthirsty, psychotic villains. Yet this is the earth they have made and given us ample time to repent and to turn to him through faith and obedience. I mean, think about it. They created this earth, the Son and the Father, the Father and the Son. They created this earth. They've given us rules to abide by. But yet the people hated him. And it's his right. Like, look at uh, Noah and the flood. Think about it. They didn't want to, they didn't want to um, obey the Father. They didn't want to obey they were wicked, they, and, and the Most High took them away as he saw fit. That's his right. But the movies paint this as an as a unrighteous thing. So he's given us ample time to repent and turn to him through faith and obedience. And he said to me, You are not a better judge than Elohim or wiser than the Most High. Let many perish who are now living rather than the Torah, the law of Elohim, which is set before them be disregarded. For Elohim strictly commanded those who came into the world, when they came, what they should do to live, and what they should observe to avoid punishment. Nevertheless, they were not obedient, and spoke against him. They devised for themselves vain thoughts, and proposed to themselves wicked frauds. They even declared that the Most High does not exist, and they ignored his ways. They scorned his Torah, his law, and denied his covenants. They have been unfaithful to his statutes, and have not performed his works. Therefore, Ezra... Empty things are for the empty, and full things are for the full. To Ezra, Ezra seven nineteen through twenty five. And even Messiah said, "I said therefore unto you that you shall die in your sins. For if you believe not that I am He, you shall die in your sins." John eight twenty four. His judgment is righteous and true. These movies attempt to get you to second guess His character. Who shall not fear you, O Yahweh, and glorify your name? For you only are holy. For all nations shall come and worship before you. For your judgments are made manifest revelation 15 4 so hollywood makes the people who welcome this coming look like crazed fools like yes like if we saw new jerusalem wouldn't we be like oh yes praise yeah and people were like what this this thing's coming to get us so back to the circle how long will you go about oh you backsliding daughter for yahuwah has created a new thing in the earth a woman shall encompass or compass a man jeremiah 31 22 the word here uh, to surround, circle. So the woman is New Jerusalem and she will compass, surround, circle his people. Uh, well, we read this already about Jerusalem. All right, Planet X, Nibiru. Planet X or Nibiru theory is about a distant planet that could one day come into our atmosphere and kill everything. Sound familiar? If New Jerusalem is a circular dome, what would it look like as it approached the Earth? 
wouldn't it look like what they portray as another planet coming into our atmosphere? Here's a quick visual of what it might look like. Just a representation of this circle, just like a star when they when you saw them kind of zoom in. When you zoom in, it's like it, you know, just got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. So if this bright shining thing came down, you know, just coming closer and closer people might say oh it's this planet x nibiru thing people are like oh look at that what is that thing coming into our atmosphere right let's go get them boys right this is maybe what space force is for so perhaps this is also the reason Planet X or Nibiru is perpetrated. If a circle dome descends from above, it could be mistaken or passed off as another planet coming into our atmosphere. Or could it? I have that question. And what would it look like? Remember the Death Star we talked about in Part 1? Remember it has a throne room. It's called a Planet Killer. And I looked, and lo, a lamb stood on Mount Zion, New Jerusalem, and with him 144,000 having his father's name written on their foreheads, Revelation 14.1. So this is like the city coming down. When Messiah comes down with his city and kingdom, one of the first things we will see is the destruction of Mystery Babylon. Some people believe Mystery Babylon is America, some London, and others Rome. I believe these are all Babylon, but there's only one mother. This link right here is why we believe it's Jerusalem, the mother of all harlots. America is a harlot. Uh, Rome's a harlot. Um, all these different places. New York City is a harlot. They're all harlots, but there's a mother. There's an original mother. So honestly, regardless of where it is, it doesn't matter. Can you imagine what the world will think when a big city comes down from above and destroys an entire city, state, country, or territory? Remember Ronald Reagan's words? I occasionally think how quickly our differences worldwide would vanish if we were facing an alien threat from outside this world. So we read Revelation 14.1 earlier. Here we, here we go. And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth, and to every nation and kindred and tongue and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear Elohim and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment is come, and worship him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of waters. And there followed another angel saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, that great city, because she made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Revelation 14, 6 through 8. So let me ask you a question. How would the people of the earth respond to an angel preaching the gospel? In part one, we showed you a video of a more biblically accurate depiction of what angels may actually look like. And I don't think people would be like, oh, mom, look, it's a cherubim. Or, oh, mom, it's a seraphim. They'd be like, what is that? Like aliens, you know. How, how about when they say, when the angels would say, worship him, worship him who made heaven and earth. Consider how Hollywood has taken scripture and made it look psychotic through these villains in these films. Would anyone listen? Also, through my current understanding and opinion, the fall of mystery Babylon would be the catalyst used to unite the whole world together. This is kind of interesting. Just a couple days ago, an astonishing picture of a complete rainbow that a pilot uh, Lloyd J. caught at 30,000 feet. Rainbows are actually complete circles, but we only see half of the arch from the earth. Now listen to this. I saw another mighty messenger come down from heaven, clothed with a cloud, and a rainbow was upon his head. Why is it a rainbow? Long story short, uh, there's a video um, that we've we've been sharing in a lot of our studies that 
Uh, all the gemstones that are used to build the foundation of New Jerusalem are called anisotropic gems, that when pure light is shown through them, they shine all the colors of the rainbow. So if Messiah were to come down with New Jerusalem above him and he is the light shining, well, wouldn't New Jerusalem shine the light of the rainbow coming down? So, and a rainbow was upon his head, and his face was as it were the sun, and his feet as pillars of fire, and he had in his hand a little book open, the book that only Messiah could open. And he set his right foot upon the sea and his left foot upon the earth and cried with a loud voice as when a lion roars. And when he had cried, seven thunders uttered their voices. And when the seven thunders had uttered their voices, I was about to write. And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, seal up those things which the seven thunders uttered and write them not. And the messenger which I saw stand upon the sea and upon the earth lifted up his hand to heaven and swore by him that lives forever and ever, who created the heaven and the things that therein are, and the earth and the things that therein are, and the sea and the things which are therein, that there should be time no longer. Time's up. It's over. That was Revelation 10, 1 through 6. Just like in the, uh, the movie, just like in the movie Independence Day, the aliens brought a message saying, time is up. They had a countdown. For I lift up my hand to heaven and say, I live forever. If I wet my glittering sword and take, and my hand takes hold on judgment, I will render vengeance to my enemies and will reward them that hate me. I will make my arrows drunk with blood and my sword shall devour flesh. And that with the blood of the slain and the blood of the cap and of captives from the beginning of revenges upon the enemy. Rejoice, O nations, with his people, for he will avenge the blood of his servants and will render vengeance to his adversaries and will be merciful unto his land and to his people. Deuteronomy 32, 40-43. So the world and its people will mourn, but his children will rejoice. For more on this, please see this study, Mystery Babylon, the, the mother of all harlots and the abominations. The same Mystery Babylon that's going to be destroyed and will be the catalyst, I believe, to unite the nations together. So let's talk about the fake alien invasion. Boy, this is this was this movie was terrible. Don't don't even don't watch it. And in those days, the angels shall return. That's what these are. These are the fallen angels coming to love humanity and guide them. And in those days, the angels shall return and hurl themselves to the east upon the Parthians and Medes. They shall stir up the kings so that a spirit of unrest shall come upon them. And they shall rouse them from their thrones that they may break forth as lions from their lairs and as hungry wolves among their flocks. And they shall go up and tread under the foot, underfoot the land of his elect ones. Enoch 56, 5 through 6. I believe these uh, these entities have actually already come back. And I think, I believe in the mid-1800s, that's where doctrine started wildly changing. That's when Zionism started. That's when these major war, uh, wars started. All to create the United Nations the, or the League of Nations, then United Nations, and to create the political state of Israel, setting everything up for the end times. I believe they're already here. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. First Peter 5. And let me also make a note that these uh, watchers returning, I believe, is different than the fall of Satan and his angels. I believe two different things. So remember, when Satan and his angels become visible on this earth, they will conspire against and speak blasphemy against Messiah and his kingdom, gathering the world together to fight against it. This is why they portray these superhumans wanting to assemble and fight the big bad guy coming in the sky. This is the beast. And there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. And power was given unto him to continue forty and two months. And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against Elohim to blaspheme his name. And his tabernacle, Revelation 21 tells us the tabernacle of Elohim is New Jerusalem and them that dwell in heaven. So this is why I believe that there's probably a certain time that New Jerusalem will be hovering in the sky 
impenetrable, but yet the beast is like, listen, this is our problem. We need to unite and get this guy. And no marvel for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. Revelation 21, 2 through 3. So it's time to wake up, brothers and sisters, and it's time to help wake up your friends and your family. And that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now our salvation is nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Romans 11, or 13, 11 through 12. This is Werner von Braun. WikiLeaks put forth this document sharing the words of the late Werner von Braun, an ex-Nazi scientist that the U.S. recruited after World War II for his rocket program. Here's the transcript. This is WikiLeaks. I met the late Dr. Werner von Braun in early 74. At that time, von Braun was dying of cancer, but he assured me that he would live a few more years in order to tell me about the game that was being played. That game being the effort to weaponize space, hello Space Force, to control Earth from space and space itself. What was most interesting to me was a repetitive sentence that he said to me over and over again. That was the strategy that was being used to educate the public and decision makers and the scare tactics. This spin, no pun intended, being put on as justification for our advanced weapon systems was based on upon how we identify an enemy. The enemy at first, von Braun said, to justify our space-based weapon system, first the Russians are going to be considered the enemy. Interesting timing for this. Then terrorists would be identified. Then we were going to identify third world crazies. The next enemy was asteroids, and against asteroids, we're going to build space-based weapons. And the funniest one of all was against what he called aliens, extraterrestrials. That would be the final card. And over and over and over during the four years that I knew him and was giving his speeches for him, he would bring up that last card. And remember, Carol, the last card is the alien card. We're going to have to build space-based weapons against aliens, and all of it, he said, is a lie. Is there a possibility that powerful groups who control governments will use the extraterrestrial phenomenon to deceive the masses? Given everything we've seen with false flag terrorism so far, it certainly seems plausible. It's interesting to note that Dr. Von Braun made sure that Psalm 19.1 was engraved on his tombstone, signifying he knew about the truth of the firmament our Creator made. Again, look up Operation Fishbowl, which I, I think uh, Von Braun was a part of, and Paperclip, where they tried to literally send rockets, uh, missiles into the firmament, and it didn't even touch it, scratch it. There's also a video, uh, I think is it SpaceX? Um, where the their rocket goes high enough and it actually hits the firmament and it like it goes dunk. Anyways, there are no aliens or other planets with extraterrestrials. It's only Elohim with his kingdom and Satan with his. Psalm 19.1 The heavens declare the glory of Yahuwah and the firmament shows his handiwork. Von Braun knew about the firmament. So, the real wisdom. We're wrapping up here. Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the Torah of Yahuwah, Psalm 119.1. With the evidence put forth today, I pray you are able to see there is an evil agenda at hand. Topics like this and many others are certainly fascinating, but at the end of the day, what really matters is our faith and walk with our Creator. This is the real prepping for the last days. Do you seek the Father diligently? It's a question. Have you been washed of your sins by the blood of the Lamb, the Son of Elohim? Are you walking in his path? Do you even know what his path is? 
will you be able to enter New Jerusalem regardless of its shape? If you want to seek him out further, please see this playlist below. So if you're like new, you're waking up, you're like, I know that the enemies lied to me and you know, I, I, I might have even grown up in church, but church doesn't feel like, you know, um, the truth is being spoken there and such and such. You're probably hearing from the Father. And he want to learn more about how to walk this walk and how to be ready, truly prepped. So people, you know, are always talking about, you know, uh, especially with right now what's going on in the banks, get your money out and do this and this and this. Or, or, or prepping, you know, prepping. This is the real prepping. If you want to be ready for his coming, this is the kind of prepping you need to make. Because listen, many are called, few are chosen. Remember at the beginning of this, we talked about those who are called and chosen and faithful, that they're with Messiah. Do you want to be part of that group? If you want to be one of the few who are called and chosen, it's time to repent of your sins, First John 3, 4. Believe in our Messiah and his offering for our lives. Dust off those scriptures and start reading, praying, and setting your life in accordance with his ways. This is the Torah, or the commandments. Otherwise, you may find yourself on the wrong side of all this when it goes down. There's a lot of people that are still in mainstream Christianity that would, would bark at this and say, oh, you're teaching a workspace salvation. I'm here to tell you that your faith, think of a plant, think of a good sturdy plant, a good sturdy tree. Let's call you a tree. Your faith is the roots of and your works are the fruits. That's the evidence that you're a true believer, a true convert, a true follower of Messiah. My little children, these things I write unto you, that you sin not. First John 3, 4 says that sin is transgression of the law. So he's writing to you, don't transgress the law, the Torah. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Yahusha, the Messiah. Again, that's just how we understand our Messiah's Hebrew name the righteous, and he is the atonement for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. Remember, I, or any of you remember that passage? In Actually, let's just read it real quick. Let's go to Matthew 7, and we'll go to verse 21 through 23. And it says this, Not everyone that says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. So just because you call him Messiah, and your king and your Lord doesn't mean that you're getting into the kingdom of heaven. But he that does the will of my Father which is in heaven. There is a passage that says the will of the Father is to believe on the Son. Now, have you shown your belief? Do you just say that you believe or do you actually show it that you believe? Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Unbelievers don't do that. And in your name have cast out devils. Unbelievers don't do that. And in your name have done many wonderful works. Unbelievers don't do that. Bill Gates doesn't give in the name of Messiah. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work in equity. So they're not going to enter the kingdom. And you say, get away from me. And it says here, I never knew you. And this is what we're reading right now. And hereby we do know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. He that says, I know him and keeps not his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoso keeps his word in him verily is the love of Elohim perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. He that says he lives in him ought himself also so to walk even as he walked. So you ask yourself this question. How did Messiah walk? Did he walk disobedient or obedient? And a lesson, just to clarify things, brethren, I write no new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you had from the beginning. If this was written in Hebrew, it would be since the Bereshit. Bereshit is the, the Hebrew word for the book of Genesis. The old commandment is the word which you have heard from the beginning. 1 John 1, 1 through 7. And listen to this. With all the stuff that's coming upon the earth right now. And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul. But rather fear him, the Most High, and his Son, 
which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Matthew 10, 28. So fear none but him. Oh, this is what we read earlier, Matthew 7, so we can skip that. So don't let this be you. Don't let you, don't be the one that he says, away from me, I never knew you, you work over iniquity. Don't let this be you. It is time to be that generation of light that stands for his ways, worshiping the Father in spirit and in truth. Not how we want to do it, not how we were taught all of our lives, but how he commands it to be done in his life. In Matthew 15, Messiah rebuked the Pharisees saying, uh, he quoted Isaiah, he said, you know, this people comes close to me with their mouth and with their lips they honor me, but their heart is far from me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. So it's time to stand for his ways, how he commanded it to be done. If you're, you're still breathing, there's still blood on your veins, there's still time to make changes. If you would like some guidance along the path to him, please see this playlist. May Yahweh bless you along your journey. So, shalom to you, brothers and sisters. I pray this was a blessing in some way, shape, or form. Shalom.